You're listening to the Central City Assembly Podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for him. We pray this episode blesses you, impacts you, and fills you with kingdom purpose. Well, good morning, church family. Um, Normally I say it's so good to see you, but I I can't see you, Uh, but you can see me. Uh, So just uh, keep saying hello to one another. Um, We're going to get into the message right now. And and one of the great gifts that the 21st century has given us is the dawn of memes and gifs. Or is it gifs? I still don't know. Uh, And anytime something big or exciting happens in the world, you can count on there being plenty of memes to go with it. And the COVID-19 has not been immune to this as COVID-19 memes go viral all over the world. Did you see what I I did there? Um, So I thought it would be a fun way to start our series, or I'm sorry, our message this morning uh, by just showing some of my favorite memes that have come through uh, revolving around the COVID-19 pandemic. So um, here is the first meme. This is pro tip, you should wash your hands even when there isn't a global virus panic. So true, right? Uh, Let's go to the next one. It's a picture of Bigfoot. Hopefully you can see these on the screen, but social distancing world champion. Very good. Next one. This one's subtle. I'll just let you look at it for a second. Yeah, throwback Thursday picture when there was toilet paper on the shelves. Yeah, for sure. All right, next one, also a toilet paper one. Stay together or you'll end up as toilet paper, says the socks. So true. All right, next one. You know, a lot hasn't changed for some people during the COVID-19 outbreak. Me before COVID-19, me during COVID-19. All right, I think this is the last one. Company says work remotely due to coronavirus. All the introverts say, yay, and all the extroverts are like, no, not good, right? So for those of you who are joining us on Facebook Live right now, uh, here's some opportunity for you to to keep interacting uh, and spreading some humor, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to go ahead and post your favorite COVID-19 memes and GIFs or GIFs, whatever you say, uh, in the comments below. Let's just spread some humor, spread some joy, uh, because... Uh, while COVID-19 is, is nothing uh, to make light of, and I hope it doesn't sound like I'm making light of it, it is a serious thing, um, but I think it's important for us to stay positive and keep our humor as much as possible. Because there's something about being able to smile in the midst of difficulty or crisis that instills just a bit of hope in each one of us. Last Sunday, we talked about hope. And how hope is required if we want to not just survive, but thrive in Babylon. And I love how the Holy Spirit led me to this series uh, and how timely it has become. I had no idea this was going to happen, but I feel like this is one of the most important messages to, to, and series to go through right now. Thriving in Babylon. Uh, the Holy Spirit knows what we need, when we need it, even when we don't know that we need it. And I think we could all use some hope right now. Uh, And moving forward in the coming weeks, we're going to stick with our thriving in Babylon theme. Uh, But our focus won't just be on the book of Daniel. 
We'll look to other examples in the Bible as well of what it means and what it looks like to thrive in Babylon. Uh, because all throughout the Babylon, or the Bible, from Babylon and on, uh, we see many examples from God's people of what it looks like to thrive in Babylon. And, and today, we're going to look at the early church at a somewhat subtle passage that I think has huge implications for us today. Because what we'll see from this passage is that there will always be crisis in the world. Bad and difficult things will always happen in the world, but how we respond in the midst of those difficulties will make all the difference in the world. And so today we're going to look at the response of Christians in crisis, and that's the title of our message today, Christians in Crisis. So right now, would you just join me in uh, prayer one more time, and let's just ask God to fill our homes to fill our hearts and our minds and to speak to us this morning. Father, we thank you that you are with us. We thank you that though the church doors may be closed, the church is not closed. And we can gather in our homes, we can gather together with our families, we can worship you freely, we can um, just dig into your word freely without any uh, worry of persecution or anything like that. God, we thank you for the freedom we have. And God, right now, in church family, I just want you to join, whoever's watching, join with me in praying that God would bring about a swift end to this COVID-19 outbreak. Begin praying and asking God to protect those who are most at risk during this, this time, those who are already uh, ill or have uh, pre-existing conditions, uh, the, the older people in our communities. Ask God to protect them. Ask God to... Uh, Bring healing to those who are affected by COVID-19. Ask God to move in our nation, in our, in our country, and in, in our city. That he would protect us, bring healing, Lord, and most of all, that he bring hope. And God, I ask that today, as so many churches, so many followers of Jesus are gathering in their homes, God, I pray that you would just speak hope to them. And God, I pray that you show them how that they can be hope in this world. Because that's what our, our world needs right now, is for our, your followers, your children, to stand up and be agents of hope. So God, we thank you, we love you. We look forward to what you're going to do in this message, in our time together. We say all of these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. So before we move on, I just want to let you know what Sundays will look like for the foreseeable future. Um, all in-person groups and gatherings will be postponed until we're given the go-ahead to, to gather in person again. Now, I would still informally encourage you to gather with your church family if you can and if you feel comfortable. Uh, but formally, all CCA groups and gatherings are postponed until further notice. Uh, but just because we can't meet in person doesn't mean we can't meet in other ways, right? Like I said, just because the church doors are closed doesn't mean the church is closed. We are still alive. We are still thriving. God is good. Um, and our goal during the season is to hashtag stay connected. Um, I, I know my introverts right now are probably faring pretty well with all this social distancing going on, right? But my extroverts, all my people peoples, right? You, you might be struggling right now. 
So we want to do our best to hashtag stay connected, and we'll be using technology and social media to help with that. Uh, so on Sundays, we're still going to have worship, and we're still going to preach the gospel, the word of God, but it's just going to be through live stream, um, and everything is going to be condensed. So instead of a 45-minute message like we're used to, uh, we'll do maybe 20 minutes. Uh, and during that time, like today, I'm going to ask questions throughout the message. And my hopes are that you will engage with those questions, answer those questions. Uh, and hopefully conversation will spring up during that time between our church family and everybody who's watching. So take advantage of technology. You usually can't interrupt with a question in the middle of a live gathering, but you can on Facebook. So do it. All right. Um, also, throughout the week, we're going to do our best to engage with one another through Facebook, through email. Um, hopefully our live streams will also get to YouTube. Um, we're going to work on that because I know not everybody uses Facebook. Um, but we're going to try and use Facebook and email right now to stay connected. Last night, we did a Facebook Live hangout um, from the Eiler house to, every, to your house. And it was so much fun. It was encouraging. We even were able to play a game together, which, right? Praise God for technology. It was awesome. Um, but we also hope to host some midweek worship and prayer Facebook Live sessions. Um, if you're interested, which let us know in the comments, um, we're even interested in starting an online Bible or book study. Uh, whatever we can do to hashtag stay connected. So if you're interested in that, let us know in the comments below, or if you have ideas of books we can go through or how we can host one of those things, just let us know um, and let's hashtag stay connected, okay? Uh, so, thriving in Babylon, right? We see examples of this from Babylon and on all throughout the Bible. We especially see this with the early church because the early church grew and thrived during a time when it wasn't popular to be a follower of Jesus. But this didn't stop the church or keep them from being the church wherever they were. Uh, and the early church was especially good at thriving and responding well in the midst of crisis. Um, so what I want us to do is I want us to look at a passage in Acts where we see an example of this. So we're going to throw scripture up on the screen. Hopefully you can see it. Uh, but I would still encourage you, open your Bible, so your physical Bibles at home, uh, or your digital Bibles on your, your devices. Uh, but open up to the book of Acts. And we're going to look at chapter 11. And we'll read somewhat of a lengthy passage, verses 19 through 30. And again, this is kind of a subtle uh, passage, but I think it has huge impact and implication for us today. All right, so this is Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 30. And it says, Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Verse 23. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. 
For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Verse 27. Now in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine over all the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. Verse 29. So the disciples determined... Everyone, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. All right, so two things we learn from this passage about the social climate during the early church is one, um, that the early church is still being persecuted. Right, this is after the disciple Stephen is stoned to death by the Jewish religious leaders because of his faith in Jesus. His death causes the early church to spread from beyond Jerusalem into the surrounding world. This persecution doesn't just stay in Jerusalem, but it follows the church wherever they go. Uh, we know from other writings that during this time, Saul, right, later known as Paul, He's one of the people hunting down, imprisoning, and even murdering the early church. This continued persecution, it forces the church to meet, not in large gatherings like we're used to, but in smaller gatherings in their homes like right now. Right? A social distancing, if you will. Not because of a plague or a pandemic, but because of persecution. So persecution is a very present crisis for the early church. And we know that the persecution only gets worse as Roman leaders begin to assess Christianity as a threat to their rule and to their government. And then the second thing, the second thing we learn is that another crisis is about to hit. Not just the church, but the entire known world. A famine, a food shortage is about to impact people in a big way. A prophet known as Agabus goes uh, from Jerusalem to the church in Antioch, Syria, to let them know about this impending famine. And so persecution and famine are two very big and very real crises that the early church faced during this time. Now, it's not a stretch to say that they experienced their own Babylon and an anti-Jesus culture coupled with a global famine equals difficult times for many. And yet, what we just read a couple of times in this passage is that the early church continued to thrive in these harsh conditions. People were being added to their number, coming to faith in Jesus on a daily basis. And salvation was being offered not only to God's chosen people, right, the Jews, but also to Gentiles. Saul, he's also gone through a radical conversion and is now a powerful teacher and proclaimer of the gospel. The church is thriving during this difficult time. And for us today, the question to ask is how? How? Right? Well, it turns out that no matter what happened, from persecution to famine, early Christians made an effort to respond well in the face of crisis. 
And they, they responded in two ways. One, they remained faithful to growing in their understanding of God, even though it wasn't popular and even though it was dangerous to do so. And two, they continued to serve and love the people around them. Right, so one, they kept the faith. They didn't lean on government or other things to get them through the crisis. Because honestly, they didn't have very much in their anti-Jesus society to lean on. But they did have each other. Everybody, just right where you are, say, I have you, the person sitting next to you. I have my church family. I have my community. They met in their homes. They invited converted Saul and Barnabas to come and teach them about the word and about Jesus. They committed to hashtag stay connected with one another and their faith. If we want to thrive in our current circumstances, we would be good to take a cue from the early church. Keep the faith and keep the family of God. Hashtag stay connected to Jesus and to his people. And so, so here's some interaction time for you. What I want you to do is, is comment and let us know in what ways you are staying connected to Jesus and his people. What are some ways that, that you found that have been helpful to staying connected to Jesus, staying connected to God, staying connected to the family of God? And also, if you're struggling, how can we help you hashtag stay connected to Jesus and his people during this time. So go ahead and leave those comments. But number two, so they stay connected, but number two, which is where I wanna focus the rest of our time, is that the early church responded to the crisis by continuing to sacrificially love and serve the people around them, right? specifically people in need. When you look at our world today, we don't always see that kind of response in the midst of crisis, do we? At least not at first. Uh, the ways we see people in general, surprisingly, including some Christians, respond to crisis is with panic, self-preservation, and pride. I mean, if you remember your news feed when all of this COVID-19 stuff broke out, people responded with panic, self-preservation, and pride. And some of you have told me that you just had to turn everything off, right? Your news feeds, your social media feeds, because the responses made you anxious, which is the opposite of hope. Right? We saw people panic by buying all of the toilet paper and hand sanitizer on the shelves, uh, responding in fear because of the unknown that was before them. Another way of saying this is that people responded by catastrophizing, which only leads to more anxiety, only leads to hopelessness. Uh, catastrophizing and panic often lead to self-preservation, which is the, the, the next response. Right? I need to make sure I take care of me and mine, right? which is true to some degree, but not at the expense of not considering other people who might be in more need than you. And this self-preservation often leads to isolation, not staying connected out of that fear and panic. And then the third way we saw people respond, and surprisingly, we saw a lot of Christians, a lot of followers of Jesus respond, is with pride, right? Standing ground, committing to gathering on Sundays no matter what, and not respecting authorities and their recommendations for social distancing. 
Man, I can't tell you how many uh, other Christians I heard um, criticizing churches that were shutting down, saying, don't you have enough faith during this time to stay open? Right? People acting as if they knew all the answers and knew what was best or, or that somehow all of this COVID-19 stuff was a conspiracy. And often catastrophizing and conspiracy theorizing go hand in hand. But again, do these kinds of responses of panic, self-preservation, and pride, do they instill hope in those around us? No. They often lead to anxiety and hopelessness. Again, consider the content of your news and social media feeds. But as followers of Jesus, we are called to be agents of hope, agents of gospel, agents of the good news. So, how do we respond in the midst of crisis that inspires hope in the world around us? Well, what we see in the early church, as well as from other believers all throughout the Bible, is that their response in crisis is always progressive, meaning that it starts with one thing and eventually leads to something greater. And in the midst of crisis, our response as followers of Jesus should always start with humility. Everybody say humility with me. Humility. Right, when we get back to the book of Daniel, I will explore humility more um, and what that looks like. But what we see in the Acts passage that we read, as well as other passages in the Bible, is that God's people and followers of Jesus, they didn't revolt against their captors or persecutors. They submitted to their authority. Daniel never revolted against the Babylonian leaders. He stayed humble. Even though Peter and other apostles, like, let's revolt against Rome. No, Jesus always preached humility and submission. And the early church continued this humility even after Jesus ascended into heaven. But why humility? Well, humility grants access into people's lives where pride pushes people away and closes doors. Not only that, but humility takes your eyes off of yourself and turns them towards others. When we are humble, we see others in their needs. And for the early church in the Acts passage, humility led to the next thing, which is generosity. Humility leads to generosity. And what I find interesting in this Acts passage is that this famine that they're talking about, right, it hadn't even happened yet. Right, the famine wasn't even supposed to start in Antioch, but in Jerusalem. And what we don't hear the church say is, well, the crisis is happening somewhere else. Right, we're okay here. It doesn't concern us. There's no need for us to act yet. Right, the church, they didn't get into the politics of the, the kind of impact the famine would have. Right, or how the famine should be handled in society. No, they stayed humble which led to radical generosity. Each of the disciples decided to do what they could with what they had. They were preemptive with their generosity because again, the famine hadn't happened yet. Even though the famine, famine hadn't gotten to them, they were still led by the Holy Spirit and by compassion to be generous. They sent aid and relief to Jerusalem to those who would be in need in the, the near future. And if humility leads to generosity, then generosity always leads to hope. 
Because there's nothing that inspires hope more than seeing people humbly and sacrificially love and serve others in need. Right? No one will ever frown upon that kind of generosity. No one. Right? No, usually what happens is that generosity breeds even more generosity. Because generosity inspires that hope, right? People think if they can be generous with what they have, then I can be generous with what I have too. And finally, hope leads to thriving in Babylon. Thriving in crisis like we talked about last week. Because if we have hope, if we have a deep-seated confidence in God's character and sovereignty that everything really is going to be okay, then we are better able to walk through the crisis in front of us, right? And church family, we have an opportunity to respond well in the face of crisis today. A lot is being said about the coronavirus and how it's being handled, especially in the U.S. But one thing that is true is that many people see this as a crisis, right? As schools are being shut down, Businesses are closing. People are losing their jobs and not able to make a living anymore. Necessities keep flying off the shelves. Many are facing crisis, and we have an opportunity to respond well as followers of Jesus in the face of it all to inspire hope. So my challenge to us as a church family is to stay humble. Stay humble. I think of other people and their needs and be generous, right? There are two types of people right now, if we needed to divide the world, two types of people, people who need assistance and people who can be of assistance to others, all right? So here's how you can help, all right? Number one, if you have some extra material goods or you come across some at the store, necessities that are hard to find and, and they're not staying on the shelves right now, would you bring them to the church? Okay, we'll make sure to hand out or even deliver those necessities if we have to. And I've been so encouraged this morning already. We already have a table. You can't see it, but in the back, that's full of different goods, uh, people coming by, our church family dropping things by. I'm so encouraged by that uh, because generosity inspires hope. Um, so if you can, Bring any extra goods that you have to the church. Uh, you can come by. We're going to be here until 12 p.m. today. Um, bring those goods so that we can disperse them to those in need. Um, what kind of material things can you bring? Bring things like hygiene products. Uh, bring things like baby products, like uh, diapers, baby wipes, and even some formula if you can. As a parent with an infant, it's shocking to not see those everyday necessities that we need for our baby. And I know I'm not the only parent with a newborn right now. Um, so you can also bring things like non-perishable food items. Uh, we do have a large freezer and refrigerator. We can take some perishable items, uh, but it will come to a limit. Our freezer is only so big. Right? So the first way you can help in being generous and inspiring hope is bring those material goods to the church. The second way to help is by giving monetary donations to our Compassion Fund here at CCA. Uh, because of some generous people in our church, we already have a pretty big amount in our Compassion Fund. I don't want to say the number, but it's, it's substantial. Um, 
People right now, I know, are donating to our Compassion Fund. They're, they're being generous. Um, so you, how you, can you do that? You can go to our website, centralcityonline.org. Uh, you can click on the Give button. There's one at the top. There's one right in the middle. Um, and once you get there, there will be a drop-down menu that says Compassion Fund. Uh, go ahead and give towards that. All donations are um, uh, benefit you during tax season. So go ahead and do that if you can. And what we'll do is we already have a plan with our church council to figure out how to distribute those funds as people tell us what their needs are. Right? And just like in Antioch, it might not seem like there is a need at the moment. Right? But with the way things are going right now, the needs of many people will come at some point. And so we want to be prepared. We want to be preemptive with our generosity. Uh, finally, if you need assistance, please, please let us know, right? Message us on Facebook, leave comments under this live stream right now, send us an email. And also what I want you to do is go to our website, centralcityonline.org action plan. Okay, there's a link on our website right there um, to our compassion assistance request form. Uh, please fill out that form, uh, scan it and email it to us, and then our church camp council will look at all those, and as the needs arise, we will disperse either uh, material goods or even monetary goods, but please let us know. And I believe that if we as a church stay humble, if we be generous, if we inspire hope, then we will thrive in the face of our current circumstances. Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you. Thank you.